So Adam, can you tell us a little bit more about how you've been learning about technology during um, confinement, isolation at home? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started by take, just taking videos with my iPhone uh, because I was kind of like, I, I, nobody saw that coming. And obviously, if I did, I would have been more prepared. I would have bought the gear and everything. But it takes time to, to learn about what kind of gear you're going to need, you know? So um, my friend, let me the mics, which you see over here. And I've been using them pretty much all summer. I'm renting them from him. And then I, I started with my iPhone. And uh, in the meantime, I was researching a lot about cameras, a lot about um, software to use to do video montage and everything. And uh, over time, I've kind of just gained a little bit of expertise in it. And um, I've been taking, I've been doing videos with this guy, this amazing guitarist named Drew Henderson for a number of years. And he's kind of been mentoring me through the process. And just having done all these videos with him in the past few years, I've kind of acquired a, a certain standard that I'm looking for, an aesthetic. And so not necessarily to copy what he's doing, but since he does something so well, to kind of at least get that quality, you know what I mean? And I think that establishing that aesthetic for each video has been really important. And we've seen a few artists have been exceptional at doing that. Um, and people can email us if they want suggestions of who, <laughs> whose videos we think have just been really uplifting, encouraging, or Yay. actually not even, not even always encouraging or uplifting. Sometimes really speak to the sentiment of how the world is feeling right now. Um, and so you are going to actually go live for us on Saturday. Yep. Nothing pre-recorded. Anything could happen. <laughs> Anything could happen, but I hopefully, fingers crossed. I uh, I've done a couple of these now, so I'm starting to. Uh, this is one thing about technology is that it's you're bound to to have problems, you know. And um, I, I think we're all kind of getting used to it. Well, what kind of problems can we expect? And we get better and better at problem solving and fixing bugs on the spot. So hopefully, on Saturday, it's going to run smoothly from beginning to end, and I'm not going to make any mistakes. This is really exciting, and. Um... <laughs> As long as you have experience with the software OBS, we're good to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's always a treat when the artists do have these kind of skills. And I think um, I've just been watching a few of my friends, yourself included, who um, have been working on this. And it's just getting better and better and better. And... Um, I think that this is so valuable to be able to set up your own studio when you need, because so many grant applications require a recording, or maybe you need to send a recording to a student. Um, these are all really important, important aspects. Um, I'm going to ask a question in French, and then I'll ask it again in English for our, our audience who is bilingual. We do have some followers in Montreal and Belgium. Is oh, in Belgium as well. In Belgium, we have some followers in Belgium and Montreal that are francophones. So, <laughs> okay, is there a big uh, francophone community in, in Vancouver? Or 
C'est petit, mais très fort. <rire> mais très fort, OK. Très fort. Okay, ouais, ça veut dire quoi? Qu'est-ce que tu veux dire par là? Il <rire> euh, y a des Québécois, des Français et des Belges. Ah, oh, OK, 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 okay je comprends. Un grand mélange. Excellent. Alors, la, la question, et je vais répéter la question en anglais après, comment est-ce que la pandémie a changé l'enseignement de musique pour vous et vos élèves de guitare? Bien, évidemment, euh, ça a tout changé. Euh, on ne pouvait plus voir en personne. Euh, puis, j'étais très... Euh, j'étais un peu découragé au début, début, début. Je veux dire, euh, moi, j'aime vraiment être avec la personne. Je trouve qu'il y a un, euh, une connexion qui est plus, plus forte quand on est, on est avec les gens, les, les élèves. Euh, mais au fur des mois, j'ai découvert une, que, que j'aimais autant ça, enseigner par, euh, sur, par Internet. Puis euh, ce que je veux dire par là, c'est que j'ai amélioré en tant qu'enseignant, j'ai dû améliorer en tant que communicateur, mm -hmm. c'est-à-dire euh, ma, ma façon de communiquer avec l'élève. C'est très différent quand tu n'es pas capable de toucher les mains, toucher la guitare. Il faut vraiment... Il faut que tu sois très, très, très clair dans l'explication de la chose, tu sais. Oui. Les consignes doivent être hyper claires et très succinctes. Exactement. Beaucoup de détails. Um, so, I'll repeat our question in English with a little bit of a twist. Um, what kind of music education innovations do you think will come out of um, this pandemic? Because as an organization, we're very focused on music education and um, we know that you and Uh, mutual friends Steve Cowan are both wonderful guitar educators. Um, so what kind of innovations do you see this having brought? Because it has brought, of course, you know, separation from the teacher and student. Uh, that social-emotional relationship is broken because you're on the screen. And it's so hard to not correct a student's physical form. But have there been some innovations that you think will help music education? You know what's funny is I've been taking uh, some lessons with a, an amazing... I'm going to actually speak from the student's perspective first because I'm still a student. I think we all are for our entire lives in, as musicians. Um, but I've been taking lessons with one of the world's great guitarists this summer, Rene Izquierdo. And you would be flabbergasted to just find out, just to be like a fly on the wall in these lessons, just to see how much we're working on actual physical form. You were saying we, we, don't, we can't do it as well, but by fixing it conceptually and getting the student to think about it, you know, an experiment. And we, we kind of get this more, this, this greater fluidity in the concept of posture and understanding our, our um, sensory appreci uh, appreciation, as they say in Alexander Technique, how we actually see ourselves and perceive ourselves. And uh, so from those lessons with Renee, I've actually improved. I've actually changed the way I hold the guitar. And I've been imparting that onto my students. Um, because I noticed that I was doing a lot of, of um, the guitar beat out like, like this. And Renee just told me a slight adjustment like that. And then making sure that my thumb is really, really, really relaxed behind the guitar would allow me to have greater fluidity, but also, uh, you know, I'll be able to see everything better and I'll have less tension. And uh, with my students, all I do is really, I talk about tension and relaxation and, and, and strategies to do that. And uh, it's kind of been a challenge at first, especially when we first moved online to, um, to see how students reacted to it without being actually in the room with them and able to touch their body, like their elbows, where they, we tend to carry a lot of tension as guitarists, uh, the shoulders where we carry a lot of tension. 
and rather you have to explain it you know let gravity do the work let uh your body relax and then bring the guitar to you and don't do the opposite you know so um I, I think I'm kind of digressing from the question that you asked originally. Not at all. No. And I'm getting I'm getting very specific in all in something that I work on quite a bit with my students. And just taking these lessons with Renee over the summer has really helped me kind of hone in on my own teaching and uh, focus on on postural things. So I actually have really been working on form. That's amazing, and I think um, I think that is absolutely on point for our audience because we have a lot of young pianists and young string players who attend our master classes and who come to our concerts in Vancouver um, and have been doing online master classes with pianists in New York um, and pianists all over the States and Canada. And it's been very interesting to see how they've worked on things like, I can tell by how you're playing that chord that you need to let gravity work, not you. Exactly. Um, so that's been really cool to see. And um, where is your teacher that you're having summer lessons with located? He, he's in Wisconsin. Okay. So yeah, but that, he's, he's, he's Cuban. He's, uh, he's just on another level, this guy. And uh, <laughs> he, I only know him because, I mean, the guitar community is quite well connected. We're, we're small, even worldwide, you know, mm-hmm. um, definitely smaller than the pianist community. Um, and I know him because I have a friend who studies here, who studied here in Ottawa for a while and who went down to Wisconsin to study with him and always had these great things to say about him. But actually working with him, I, I feel like uh, a whole new world has kind of opened up for me, you know? I'm, I'm so curious about other people maybe want to write in the comments um, if people are listening live. I think some people are listening live, but even if they listen after asynchronously, which is a new word I learned as a teacher in the pandemic... <laughs> Um, like if people have been taking lessons with someone not in their time zone how's it going have you ever missed your lesson because you got the time wrong I would be interested to know what our audience thinks because I'm taking voice in Toronto and I've never left (laughs) my room there you go (laughs) and I'm taking piano with a teacher in Oakville Ontario and I've never left my room and I'm I'm happy for that so you're still you're still studying piano as well oh always I'm I'm relearning a lot of um, some of the intermediate RCM rep to be ready to teach it because they've changed quite a few of the pieces. So I'm like you said, it doesn't stop. Um, It's just a continuous offering of music for our whole life. And that's I think that's the biggest gift of being a music educator and a performer is that you cannot possibly learn all of the box suites or, you know, um, you, they're always with you for your life and they'll always mean something different and sound different. Exactly. So speaking of repertoire, qu'est-ce que tu vas jouer pour nous samedi soir? So I'm going to play a little bit of uh, a mixed bag of, of repertoire. I'm playing some Scarlatti, some arrangements that I did, mm-hmm. um, which he's a composer that really I, I really identify with. And his name ends with a T-I, like my last name, so... <laughs> He's got that Italian connection, but you know, it's, it's really, um, he, he spent 30 years of his life working in Spain. So you really hear a lot of the Spanish influence in it. Mm-hmm. And I segue from that Scarlatti into more Spanish music, but 20, early 20th century. So, um, music by Albanians, which was a pianist. I'm sure you're familiar with. For sure. Uh, I mean, we all know Albanians is music on the guitar, but it's funny cause he never actually wrote anything for the guitar, but he's more known as a guitar composer, despite the fact that he was a pianist. 
and then I'm, I'm playing some South American music and some Mexican music. And I'm going to be playing um, a, a new Canadian piece by a, a friend of mine named William Beauvais. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Is this, um, is this going to be a premiere or you've premiered this piece before? I premiered it at a, a live stream a few, a few weeks ago. Actually, I just released a, a video on YouTube yesterday. I too. thought that I saw that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we've, we've posted that last Here week you go. on Facebook. So audience. Thank you. Go listen to Adam's new video. Uh, yeah, it's ruins by the river. It's really pretty, and it, it'll make you. It'll it'll evoke you know this like uh, these old ruins, hmm. a calm the calm beauty of this river. You know, old vines, sun shining through the trees. Like, I like I like to have those. I, I love that when my when the pieces in the repertoire that I work on kind of evokes nature. I, I love this this music. You know. Do you enjoy outdoor activities? You you grew up in an area that's pretty beautiful for nature, just kind of like Vancouver. I know that the eastern townships and the Gatineau Valley River area are really beautiful. Do you enjoy outdoors? Oh, yeah, very much so. I go running quite often, and I, I obviously have dogs, so we're always out with them. And uh, we, we paddleboard as well, so on, on, the, on the water. Um, but, yeah, I've actually never been to Vancouver. I'm, I'm really disappointed that we didn't get to have that concert this summer with Steve out there, you know. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Steve, if you're listening, l'année prochaine. <laughs> and um, when you come, we'll have a big um, guitar reunion and a picnic. And we'll have the kids play for you both in a, in a double master class. Awesome. Um, so speaking of Canadian music, um, why is it important for you to play music of composers who are Canadian and alive today? Why is that critical for your career and for your development as an artist? I don't necessarily know if it's critical for my career. It's just a, a passion of mine. I, I don't necessarily gravitate towards Canadian composers as a means of um, celebrating Canadian composition. I just like good music. Mm. And I just find that there's a lot of really incredible Canadian music being written in 2020. Yes. And I'm going to play it. If if it's good, I'm going to play it. And and if it's people that I know and it's people that I can help get known and at the same time, uh, yeah, I guess help my career. You know, like Steve and I just recorded this album with Analecta of all Canadian compositions. Mm -hmm. But it was something that, you know, it was a project that we were, it just naturally happened for us. We were always playing these, this, this, this new music and, just over time you pick up piece by piece and eventually you got an album worth of it and then people recognize you so they they send you their pieces and you know the like i said before the canadian or the 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 classical guitar community worldwide is quite small but it's even smaller in canada so we all kind of know each other so we know the composers and we know who's really good and we know who we want to work with and Mm -hmm. you know definitely um and i I wanted to ask a bit more from an educational perspective. A lot of um, young guitarists will hear music that they love, um, and huh, it might be piano repertoire, <laughs> and they might want to arrange it. <laughs> Adam's laughing at me because he's thinking there's a lot of original stuff for guitar that's just fine. But what would be your tip to, um, let's say a student is like 12 to 16 years old, they want to try their hand at arranging something they heard. How would you recommend they go about arranging for their first few times? What's your You're talking about arranging from another instrument to guitar or just yes. arranging in general? Yeah, from another instrument to guitar. Oh, okay. Well, uh, the, the guitar is such a, it's such a finicky thing. Um, what I would suggest if I had just one nugget of advice to give would be simplify mm. as much as possible. I think a lot of people think 
I remember when I started in as a ranger, as an arranger, and I was young, I was around 20 or so. Um, when I started doing it, I was always like, okay, how can I keep every single note in the transcription? But we always have to remember that a guitar is not a piano or a harp. And um, there are limitations to our instrument. And But there are things that our instrument does really well. So the first thing you have to do is you actually have to go and do the arrangement because the more you do, the better you get at it. But when you're in there, the, uh, the process of arrangement is more like the process of or the art of omission rather than the art of keeping everything. So what can you do? How much can you get rid of and still keep the essence of the music together? So, so yeah, but uh, if you want to arrange and you're young and you're not sure how to do it, um, you know, to taking theory lessons, taking solfege lessons, these things will really help as well, you know? I'm doing a Kodai course. Um, or oh, yeah, Kodai, yeah, that's great. In Hungary right now, online. And so we have solfege at 8 in the morning because of the time difference. And um, my teacher called on me today to sing the so pentatonic scale backwards using the biggest leaps that I can find. Wow, that's awesome. It was so difficult. So are you, you guys are, doing, are you using fixed dough or movable? Absolutely movable. Hungary insists on movable dough. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up in Quebec where we were forced to learn fixed dough, obviously, because it, yes. it came from, from the French system. Yes. And uh, when I, I, I taught solfege at the University of Ottawa when I was doing my master's and we used movable. So I had to learn movable to, mm -hmm. to, to teach it. And I've got to say, like, I mean, there are instances where movable dough, it's absolutely a must, but there are some places where I fix dough is, is a must as well, mm -hmm. you know? So it really depends on, 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 but, but these are things that you need to think about. I think as an arranger, you know, you need to, you need to have an understanding of how to like take the, go up behind the music and, and see the skeleton and uh, reconstruct from there, you know? And so having, having that solfege background, that theory background, the harmony, understanding the harmony, those things are really going to help you. Now, one, one idiom that I just love, um, anybody that has worked with us or knows this podcast knows that I don't shy away from saying that I love Schubert. <laughs> um, have you arranged any Schubert songs for guitar and voice? Because I feel historically, actually, a lot of those songs would have been premiered on guitar and voice because maybe they didn't have a piano around and they certainly wouldn't have had a nine foot Steinway. So have you done any work with that? Yeah, I have actually a number of videos on my YouTube page with um, with a couple of singers. One, uh, both of them are named Philip, uh, Phil Sly, Philip Corchen Leboeuf. I I did um, excerpts from Winterreise, excerpts from Die Schöne Müllerin, excerpts from Schwanenkesang. Um, I've I've never played an entire cycle through, but part of my doctoral studies, actually, my doctoral project is arranging Dichte Liebe to Schumann's. Um, song cycle and oh, wow. uh for, for solo guitar and voice so yeah i definitely have a, a lot of experience in the in the vocal uh i didn't know that's what your project was about um will you have a lecture recital or is that already done did we miss that <laughs> no i have a lecture recital uh, right we're still working out the date i mean I'm, I'm at the point where i finished all my coursework at the university uh i took a, not a, a sabbatical year but I, I focused a lot of my career in year three and now this year, I've got to do my comprehensive exams, and then lecture recital will be here after that. Okay. And who will you work with as a singer, or it's not determined yet? Jean-Philippe Jean Fortier-Lazor is his name. Wonderful. He's, um, he's living, I think he's in Belgium now, actually. I'm not, I'm not sure where he's at. I know he's in Europe. 
And uh, he he went to school at the University of Ottawa at the same time as I did. And then he was at the CUC. And uh, now he's out there in Europe and I, he's having a successful opera career. Hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. so what are some of the things that you've, what would you say are the most important things you've taken with you from putting Dichterliebe into this setting? Because what a wonderful cycle. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, the research that I'm working on is fo- it's focusing on a lot of different things. Um, what's the most important when arranging a song cycle like that? Um, the internal structure, the key relationships, you know, from song to song. But one thing that's interesting is that we know that Schumann, we know that in, that Schubert definitely transposed his songs. And like he would take uh, the Schönemann, for example, and he'd transpose certain songs so that he could play them, right? If he had a singer that, that, that her, her, his or her voice type had to be in a different key, um, as a pianist composer, you want your music to get out there. You also always have to work to the capabilities of the singer. You don't make the singer sing down in a different key for you. You transpose so that you can, you know, highlight the voice of the singer, make them sing in the most comfortable area. Um, that presents certain problems when you're doing something like Schumann um, and Dichterdiepe, because, you know, when Schumann wrote that, he had a kind of inherent tonal structure. Every song is related to another song through this cycle of keys. And each key for him had meaning, right? Now, there's a, a there's the debate about equal and unequal te- temperament because that was still going on back when Schumann was was writing, and so unequal temperament back then you would have things that would be slightly out of tune, so they'd have different affects associated with each key. And then furthermore, when you come to the guitar, there are certain keys that just really suck. They really suck on guitar. You know, we don't we don't like to play an E flat minor. You know. And you so you, yeah, I know you don't either, but you know, you, you guys, we, we just hate flats. We hate yeah, it because for, for guitar, especially when you're wanting to play like extremely virtuosic stuff, you want to have open strings. Mm-hmm. You want them because they, they help you to transition from figure to figure. And um, if you don't have open strings, then you're, you're using bars the entire time, which means your, your first finger is going to be down and that hurts. Right. So if you have to do that over and over and over and over and over and over again, you get very fatigued and it's no it's not fun. And we want to be able to focus on the music and not be in pain when we're playing. For sure. Uh, So sometimes we it's ideal for us to transpose into a more flattering key, like, for example, E flat minor to E minor. But if you do that, then you risk kind of damaging the, the, the key structure from inside the cycle. And so you have to find, like, what is it that you're going for? Like, does does that semitone really matter that much? Yeah. You know, we know that Schumann did it in his life. We know that Schubert did it. They transposed certain songs. Schumann said in in a treatise, or no, it was in an article for the, um, he, he worked in a newspaper. Do you remember the yes. name of that? I do. It's the, um, I know it in German. Um Neue Zeitschrift for Music. It, there you go. New journal for music. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. So, <laughs> so he wrote in that journal, he wrote that it was, he, he was okay with people taking his songs and transposing them into different keys, but he never specified whether you could do that with an entire cycle or not, if you could just take songs and put them in different keys. And as a, as a, as a pianist who has worked with singers and as someone that is um, taking vo- voice lessons right now, and I'm loving it. Um, I think I've learned more about being a musician from those six months of voice lessons than um, 
you know, so many years of piano. But when you're when you're arranging this, how important is the text as well? Because I know as collaborative pianists, we are like it is drilled into you. You have to know the poetry better than the singer. Yeah. You do. You, uh, you, you, there's this great article um, that my doctoral, um, one of the people on my doctoral committee recommended to me, which takes a very extremely detailed and comprehensive look at text-music relationships and understanding the text in, in song cycles and uh, understanding you know, poetic meter and the way that the composer will play with poetic meter versus musical meter. And sometimes you'll have intentionally moments where the composer will not follow the poetic meter in the music as a you know musical device in order to create some sort of um offness i don't know i don't know a better word to describe it but it's a way to um kind of mess with that idea of we're going to follow everything by the poetic meter like schubert did right so schumann did a lot of that and uh, and so yeah, it's so important to understand that because you're going to be, you want to li- you want to not only line up with the singer, but the way you're going to you know accent and the way you're going to phrase things, the direction you're going to take with uh, your harmonies and all that, it's it's all going to be dependent on on a, a clear and concise understanding of what you're doing in the text. That's fantastic. Um, well, Adam, it has been a true pleasure to speak with you about this. Um, and we hope that you keep us in the loop about this Schumann project because this is something that um, if it is online and is recorded or will be live streamed that I think um, some audience members who are passionate about art song would love to hear this. Um, I know I would. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, four um, months ago, I might not have thought about doing a live stream. But now, after everything that we've gone through, I think it's time to start like considering <laughs> it, you know? I think one positive aspect of this has been that, um, for example, um, I just heard my very dear friend Andrew Wan, um, concertmaster of Orchestre Symphonique de Montréal, play the Bach Chaconne in an empty hall in Kingston for the Toronto Summer Music Festival. Shout out to Jonathan Crow if you're listening for doing such a great job of Toronto Summer Music Festival. Andrew, you don't have Facebook, but I'll send you this interview later anyway. Um, but it was just so special to hear a friend of like, oh gosh, now it's been like almost 20 years to play that. Um, and I wouldn't be able to hear him play in Kingston. I live in Vancouver. And yet, I was able to, and I think that there's something special um, about that. And so definitely consider live streaming such a wonderful project. Um, and it would be great to, to hear it. So, yeah, and, and the fact that we're able to have conversations too. I think it's it's nice that we actually interact with the audience. They ask us questions while we're playing, and then we mm-hmm. do live interviews, and we we can grab a drink, and we can. I, I think when we're doing these these concerts online, we have to take that side and, and and enjoy it as well because we have to offer something that we we couldn't get in in real life. You know. Yeah. Um, there's uh, definitely in classical music. There's always a distance between the the performers and the audience, and I think these live streams and these these virtual concerts are kind of breaking those barriers down. And I hope that uh, we, that'll kind of translate when we get back on the live stage later, you know? I think so. And I think that it's going to be necessary too, because people will now expect a certain level of engagement, even if from their, their home. Um, in our comment section, we're going to put Adam's website and his YouTube. Please like and subscribe. <laughs> and Adam's concert will be on Saturday, 
August 1st at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Le concert de guitare de Adam va être samedi le 1er août à 6 h à Vancouver, 9 h à Montréal. Et profitez bien de ce concert qui est disponible par donation. Et on va laisser le lien pour le concert dans la section du commentaire. Thank you again, Adam. Merci de My pleasure. être avec nous. <laughs> nice to meet you finally, Jennifer. Yes, great to meet you. And um, we found the guitar community is such a, a warm, a warm place. So yay, <laughs> that's what we want. We want more friends. Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> no comment on the piano community. <laughs> I love the piano community. What are you talking about? What, you didn't. You didn't have to go there. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's it's such a it's such a a big pond. <laughs> yeah, it's a big space. For it sure. is a very big space. We look yeah. forward to Saturday's concert, and um, it was wonderful to meet Adam finally and to chat. So thank you again. Merci encore. Thanks, guys. Bye. Au revoir.